So uh, Proverbs chapter three, verse tw- uh, chapter four, verse twenty-three. We've been talking about this series, discovering your destiny. How is it that we find God wants for us in our life? How exactly do we go from being a thirteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old, twenty-year-old to a point where we're now thirty or forty or fifty, and we're actually living the purpose for why God created us? How do we get there? Well, that's what this series is all about, Discovering Your Destiny. We've, we've looked at the fact that in these next 10 to 12 years, during your teen years and college years, you make a lot of decisions, and there's a lot of possibilities to make wrong decisions. We call it the mistake zone. We talked about that in the beginning of this series, and then we talked about even going through that, how we need to prepare our hearts and prepare our lives to say, God, whatever plan you have for me is much better than the plan I have for me. And be willing to say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. I'm willing to put off my dreams so that I can live what you have planned for me. And sometimes that's very difficult to do. We talked about how difficult it can be uh, to really give up our dreams, but how important it is that when we give up our dreams, then we allow God to begin to work in our life. Then we said, if we're going to follow God's will, if we're going to get to our destiny, we're going to have to have some tools in our life that are going to help us get there. We said, number one, a serious mind is required. We have to have a sober mind. It's how the, the Bible puts it. A serious mind about the things of God. This can't be a game to you. This can't be something that you just kind of do as a religious activity. And I can say that many times I've been as a youth pastor here for 12 years. And in 12 years, I can tell you I've seen some young people show up on Wednesdays and kind of sing a song without ever thinking about what they're singing. I've seen them come and kind of open their Bible and kind of look at me like this and not really being engaged, not really focused about what we're talking about, not really taking too much notes. They're kind of just here sitting around. And I've seen them do that. I've seen them kind of just uh, 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 fade out into, into space, into their imagination life. And, and they got like their screensaver on and, and they're just looking at me, but they're not really listening. They're not really allowing God to speak to them. And I can tell you after 12 years, many of them today are not living God's will. And it's not because God didn't show them And it's not because God did not reveal to them what his will was. The reason they're not living God's will today, now that they're 25 and some of them are 27 and 28, the reason living God's will is because they never had a serious mind. They never made this their decision to follow Christ. It was what their parents did and what the church said, and they brought them that way. But they never had a serious mind themselves. And we said, it's so important for you, young people, let me tell you, for you to make a personal decision that I'm going to have a serious mind about the things of God. Then last week we talked about a pure heart. The second tool you'll need if you're going to discover your destiny, if you're going to live out God's plan for your life, is a pure heart. Now quickly in your notes, you're going to have to write this down really quick because we're going to fly through what we talked about last week. We said, what is a pure heart? There in your notes, we said your pure heart, it's your, that, that part of us that feels life's emotions. It's the feeler in our life. The heart is that feeler in our life. 
We said, secondly, your heart discerns life's desires. It's what tells us what we want. Our heart tells us what we feel in any given situation. But it also tells us what we want. The desires that we have. What we want to accomplish in life. Your heart is the one that tells you that. The Bible says that it's from our heart that we desire to go in a certain path or to make a certain decision and to want something. Then we also said that your heart decides life's directions. It is the chooser of our life. All right? It tells us how we feel. It tells us what we want. It also tells us what decision we're going to make in any given situation. And then we said that your heart includes your intellect, okay, the way you think. In fact, the Bible says that anytime we tell a lie, it's because it was in our heart already. Anytime that we uh, curse or say a cuss word, it's because it was in our heart already. Anytime that we gossip about someone else, it was in our heart already. You see, do you see how powerful the heart is? I mean, the heart, the, the heart is something that moves everything about us. It moves how we feel. It moves what we want and desire. It moves the decisions we make. It moves the way we think. Then we said in our notes, we said that uh, your heart, oh, we just went through this. Your heart is what God sees and cares about. Your heart is what God sees and cares about. Now, quickly in your notes under this, man sees the outward appearance, we said, but God sees the inward heart. And both are important. Jesus told the disciples, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That's the outward, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It is important, our testimony that we give. It's important how you act and behave in front of others. In other words, that we live out a godly testimony. That's important. But just as important as that is, that lifestyle, that way of living, that testimony needs to come from the inside. God never changes a person from the outside in. God always changes someone from the inside out. If you read any any, uh, Bible character, I don't care if it's Moses, Daniel, Peter, James, John, Paul, The change that God makes in their life always starts from the inside and works itself out. And if God's going to change your life, you're going to have to allow him to work on the inside and then work out. I know a lot of churches that preach, oh, you got to change from the outside in. There's a lot of uh, people and Christians that believe, no, once you change this behavior, you'll be okay. So as long as you dress on the outside okay, then you're okay. That's not true. As long as you listen to the right music on the outside, then you're okay. That's not true. You say, you'll decide to listen to the right music when your heart is right with God. You'll you'll decide to talk the right way and not cuss every other word when your heart is right with God. You'll decide to date the right kind of girl or the right kind of boy when your heart is right with God. You see, God works from the inside out. Then we said God cares about both the outward and and the inward. And we also said God desires inward transformation to produce outward conformity to Christ. He wants us changing inside so that we look like more like Christ on the outside. 
It's so important to get the order right on that, young people. I need to change from the inside out. In other words, when you take time to pray, pray, God, would you help me to have the right kind of inward attitude? Help me to have the right kind of heart towards you. Have the right kind of heart towards others. Because once God's allowed to work on the inside, then the outside will look more and more like Christ. Peter told uh, the, the early church, he said, now you need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul said, listen, you, you need to look at the inside and allow the Holy Spirit to work inside so that on the outside, God will shine through. Jesus will shine through your life. Then we said this. We said that your heart can guide you away from God's will. In fact, we said the next two points almost sound like they're contradicting one another, but they're not. We said, first of all, your heart can guide you away from God's will. Why? Because your heart can be destructive and impure hearts make wrong decisions. Impure hearts make wrong decisions. In fact, I made the statement uh, last week, when the heart is pure, the vision is clear. It's easy to know what to do when my heart is right with God. It's when it's not that everything kind of fogs up. Then we said your heart is a lens through which you will make decisions. The lens through which you make decisions goes right through your heart. And if you have that lens in the wrong setting, then you can make wrong decisions and your heart will lead you away from God. I've said... A philosophy of life that says just do what your heart tells you is a bad way to live your life. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's word. Don't follow whatever your heart tells you. Just follow whatever God tells you. Because there's going to be time in your life when your heart's going to tell you, you know what, they deserve for me to do this to them. The way they treated me, the way they talked to me, the way they talked about me, they deserve for me to do this and this and this to them. Your heart will tell you to do that. Your heart will tell you, you know, if you go out on a date and you're alone and you just do this and this, it's going to be okay. I can control it. I'll be okay. Your heart will tell you that. That's why it's dangerous to follow your heart. That's why you don't want to follow your heart because your heart will tell you a lot of things that just aren't true. And it'll begin to lead you away from the will of God. It can be destructive. It can make wrong decisions. It's the lens through which you make decisions. But then we said your heart can guide you into God's will. The other side of the coin, your heart can lead you away or your heart can lead you towards God's will. And we said this, we said, your heart can be spiritual, pure hearts see clearly. When the heart is pure, the vision is clear. We said, pure hearts see spiritual danger. When your heart is pure, you begin to see, hey, um, if I keep going down this path, it's not going to end well. Your pure hearts make right decisions. That's why it's so important. To understand, if I don't have a pure heart, I will make a wrong choice. If I don't have a pure heart, 
my dating life is going to suffer. My home life is going to suffer. The relationships of my friends and family is going to suffer. I mean, everything suffers with a bad heart. Everything. It's kind of like in the real world. If your heart's not pumping right, the whole body suffers. I don't care how much you bench. I don't care how smart and what grades you get. If your heart starts pumping blood, your whole brain, body shuts down. Your heart affects everything in the physical world. In the spiritual world, your heart affects everything in your walk with God. Everything. And your heart will either lead you away from God's will or to lead you towards God's will. It just depends. Now, there in your notes, notice, your heart must be regularly purified. If a pure heart is what is required for me to make right decisions in life, then I need to ask myself, do I have a pure heart? Now, many times, if we're honest with ourselves, we can find that we probably don't always have a so what do you do? What do you do when that happens? How do I know if my heart is being impure? What affects my heart? Well, there in your notes, I want you to notice, a sinful world creates a dirty heart. A sinful world creates a dirty heart. As you live in a world that's constantly bombarding you with wrong philosophy and wrong views and temptations that lead you away from God, you and I must understand that sinful world is creating in me a sinful heart. And secondly, willful sin creates a dirty heart. That means willful means sin that I know is wrong and do anyways. I wish that I could say that Every time I knew something was wrong, I would avoid it. But I can honestly say that's not always true. I can tell you there have been times in my life when I was making a bad choice and I didn't care because it was what I wanted. I, I knew, you know, if I do this, this doesn't please God. But he'll forgive me. It's going to be okay. It'll work out in the end. You know what I was doing? I was deceiving myself. I was deceiving myself. That's why God told the people of Israel, be sure your sin will find you out. You think you can get away with it. You think it's not going to be a big deal. You think you can control it. And at the end, you find that you cannot. Someone said, sin always costs you more than you want to pay. And always keep you longer than you want to stay. Understand, young people, listen, I can't live a willful, sinful life and still have a pure heart. And then I want you to notice a dirty heart cannot make right decisions. It cannot make right decisions. And that's why a pure heart must be purified daily. I gave this illustration last week, but I'll say it once again. If you wear glasses, one thing that you find about glasses is that they get dirty. Our world is not the cleanest of worlds, okay? Anyone that wears glasses knows this. And what you have to do if you wear glasses is at some point in time, you're going to have to remove them, you're going to have to get a cloth, and you're going to have to clean them. 
And I have found, okay, I don't wear reading glasses, but I do wear sunglasses sometimes. And I have found even when I'm on a road trip, okay, and I'm wearing sunglasses because I'm driving, even in that road trip, whether it's like two or three hours where I'm just in the car, I don't know what happens, but somehow my glasses, sunglasses get dirty. And I find myself doing this, taking them off and cleaning them with my shirt and then putting them back on. And that's not that I was outside playing. I wasn't, you know, rolling in mud. It's just from sitting there driving in my car. But there's all these particles and dusts and things that just come in to your glasses and they start fogging it up. Sometimes it's the AC. Sometimes it's different things and you just have to take it off and clean it up. If you're going to maintain a pure heart in your walk with God, let me tell you, you're going to have to stop and, and clean your heart regularly. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know who John was talking to? Not the unsaved. Not the people that don't go to church. And that letter of 1 John He's writing to Christians, and he's telling Christians, people that already know Jesus as their Savior, people that already say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, and he's writing to them, and he's telling them that when you sin, you've got to purify your heart. This is something that you, need, you and I need to practice on a regular basis. Now, how to have a pure heart. Quickly this evening, number one, a pure heart acknowledges sin. In Psalm 51, the psalmist David had to come to an acknowledgement that what he did was wrong. Can I say, you need to come to an acknowledgement of your sin. You need to have an acknowledgement that what I did was wrong. What I said was sinful. You know, so many times we can get to a point in our life where sin's not a big deal. One of the amazing phrases that always amazes me in the Old Testament is there in 2 Kings, and it's, it talks about King Ahab. And King Ahab was a king of Israel. He was a wicked king, a king that didn't follow God, a, a king that didn't really care about God nor the things of God. Uh, he was alive during the, the, the life of the prophet Elijah. And, and there's a phrase that describes King Ahab's life. And it says this, it says, it came to a point in King Ahab's life that to sin was a light thing, the Bible says. In other words, it didn't even convict him anymore. It didn't hurt. He didn't feel anything. If he lied to someone, if he stole from someone, he killed someone, it was a light thing. Be careful that in your life, sin becomes a light thing. You say, how does it become a light thing when you don't acknowledge it anymore? When you can't say, sorry, I offended you. Sorry, I did this to you. That's the lack of acknowledging that oh, I'm okay. And sometimes we can sit here and, and the pastor can preach and the pastor can share the word of God and we can just sit there and go, Okay, Pastor. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm fine. That's not me. <laughs> that's not me. Thank God that's not me. You know who the, you know who needs to be here? Man, where where is she? I know she was is she is she here? She needs to hear this. Man, she needs to hear this. Man, and we can hear the preaching and we know exactly who needs that, but it's never us. 
Be careful that you get to a point in your life where you don't acknowledge the sin in your life. You want to have a pure heart? Acknowledge sin in your life. Secondly, a pure heart confesses that sin. It's not good enough just to say, I know I was wrong. Or to think it. Confession means to say it to God. I recommended this years ago when I first started youth pastoring here at the church. And I've practiced this some in my life. I, I can't tell you that I do it every day. I don't, I've not done it every week of my life. But there are times where I have stopped and I've written down my sin on a piece of paper. And then I've confessed it. And let me tell you something. Nothing, nothing will tell you how wicked you are like confessing sin. And let me say, I would, ne'er, I, I would dare not confess it in front of you. I, I, you would lose all respect of me. I know that. Oh my goodness. I'd be so embarrassed to confess sometimes what I think. I remember telling one of the first generations of young people, I remember just telling them, just write it down and see how it makes you feel and then say it. Tell God the thought that you had when that person told you this and what you really thought about them. Well, Pastor Jeremy, you would think like that about people? Absolutely. Got to fight it. Maintaining a pure heart means confessing sin in my life then a pure heart accepts God's forgiveness. A pure heart doesn't just sit there and think about it and think about it and think about it. But a pure heart will accept God's forgiveness. Can I encourage you tonight, if you've messed up and you've acknowledged that you messed up, that I committed sin in my life, and then you confessed it to God, then just accept God's forgiveness in your life. God's not like us. He doesn't hold it over our heads. He doesn't say, hey, you remember when you did this? Hey, you remember when you said that? God doesn't do that. We do, but God doesn't. Accept God's forgiveness in your life. I want to share this. A pure heart changes life's perspective. It changes your perspective on life. And secondly, a pure heart can be claimed right now. Now, people, you don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till you get home. You don't have to wait until something big happens in life. You can do it now. Do it now. So many times, young people, if you're not, you're not careful, even if I'm not careful, we can put it off and put it off and put it off and never do it. And by the way, the devil will start telling you it's okay. It's not a big deal. Put it off. Put it off. You know, it's not, it's not all against you writing things down or being here at church. You know what some of the devil's best lies are? Sometimes the, the, the devil's best lies are, man, that's good. Preacher, that's good. Hey, hey, you hear that? That's for you. And then he'll say, but you know what? Take care of it tomorrow. Not right now. There's too many people watching. What are your friends going to say? What's going to happen if you do that? A pure heart can be claimed now. Don't put it off, young people. Lastly tonight, your heart can be changed. Your heart can be changed. Listen, a pure heart 
is like soft clay in God's hands. And if you can just give God a pure heart, He'll start molding it. He'll start changing it. Thoughts, feelings, and desires can be changed. I remember growing up, and I've shared this before, but growing up, Psalm 37.4 was my favorite verse. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And I used to use that verse. I used to think, man, that means God's going to give me whatever I want. God's going to let me do whatever I want because, hey, as long as I go to church and read the Bible, that's delighting in him. And I didn't quite understand what delighting was. I thought that was delighting. But, you know, delighting isn't that. Delighting isn't doing what you have to do. Delighting is loving what you're doing. It's not reading my Bible because I have to, but it's saying, I like reading my Bible. You know what? I, I kind of like church. I, I kind of like singing the songs in youth. I, I kind of like it. I, I know he's not here tonight, but, but, but Javi, I, I love hanging out with Javi sometimes. And, 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 and a few weeks ago, right before service started, he was like, man, I'm so ready for tonight. Then he asked me, hey, can we sing uh, Who You Say I Am? I love that song. I was pumped about that. Yeah, we're going to sing that song. You know, there was a desire there. There was a delight in it. And you know what happens when you start delighting in God? You know what I found in my life? My desires started to change. Making the NBA wasn't that important. Making money wasn't the biggest thing. Being a lawyer wasn't anymore what I desired. It was at one time, but not anymore. If I changed that, having a pure heart that God could mold. Saying, God, if you, if you will change my heart, it's yours. Young people, if you're going to reach the destiny that God created for you, you have to have a serious mind about the things of God. You can't be playing church. And secondly, you have to have a pure heart. Let God mold it. Mold it. Let God begin to shape it and give you the right desire.